0: This episode is brought to you by Plus 7 Intelligence, a podcast about how games impact people and influence our lives in surprising ways. You can find Plus 7 Intelligence in your favorite podcast directory. Welcome to Headshots on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. We're a psychology and gaming show. My name is Oswey Cardona with Lauren Keller.
1: Hello. Uh,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm glad to talk to you about a game that we just finished playing days ago. Um, actually, so listeners have asked me if we were going to talk about it, and and we are. It is Detroit become human. I'm gonna I'm gonna make the strangest spoiler alert because from the little bit that you and I talked, your game and my game are completely different.
1: <laughs>
0: so spoilers for Detroit, but you your playthrough may be very different from even even ours, I don't know. I mean, I saw those flowcharts. There are lots of possibilities. I don't know how different um, the outcomes can really be at the end. But uh, I know that at the very least, we have two very, very different stories that played out. And of course, we'll have very different perspectives on what we played. I just kind of want to go through how the story uh, went, and then as it goes on, we can talk about the things that we thought were impressive, thought-provoking, Horrible, like a- anything. As we go through, does that does that make sense, or do you think we should go?
1: No, I like, think take that makes turns? sense. I think okay. that's good. Let's do that.
0: Okay, because yeah, at some point I'm just gonna like fall off because of my characters died. Um, <laughs> so so when I started playing the game, uh, we started as Connor, and I don't know. I have, so so actually, before we even start there, um, so at the very beginning, I love the premise of this game because it is androids, and it is the future, right? It's Detroit in the year 2038, where Detroit has become the Android manufacturing capital of the world. So that's my understanding. Mm-hmm. And and it, it makes sense in that, uh, at least to Quantic Dream, it makes sense because they already had the infrastructure and they weren't building cars like they used to. So they use that infrastructure to start building Androids. So... I think there's even like a billboard in, in one part of the game that says the Android Capital of the World. So we, we're in the city that is just full of androids everywhere who are people are using androids who look like people to do everything that they don't want to do. And we play as a few different androids. And the first one we play as is Connor, who is my understanding is that he is the most advanced android yet. Mm-hmm. Is that, did you get that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's right. the the freshest new Android.
0: Yeah, the eight hundred series, and so you you start and it it plays like an Arkham game, right? Where you're like scanning the area for clues and stuff like that. Um, so I could just say like at the beginning in my my first uh, my first chapter, I'm I'm playing as Connor, and I decide that I'm going to save this kid, and I get the option to sacrifice myself, and I did. And I ended up dying, which is which was strange because the the flowchart actually said Connor died. I was like, oh, that's weird. I (laughs) I didn't know my character uh, could die. Um, But, you know, there were like clues and stuff to pick up um, along the way. And I just I really wanted to save the kid. And I don't remember the exact choices that I made along the way, but I remember that was the outcome. How was that for you?
1: yeah yeah that was um, that opening chapter was also the free demo that they put up. So I had already played through it once. Um, and <laughs> it was pretty interesting because the first time I played through the demo, I also um, sacrificed Connor to save the little girl. Um, <laughs> the second time I played through uh, as the game the actual game, I knew where all of the stuff was so I was able to move through the level very quickly and efficiently and get out there and I had unlocked all of the secret conversation things from from finding the right pieces of evidence and everything but um full disclosure I did not uh grow up with PlayStation controllers and so literally every time I am required to do a quick time event With the PlayStation controller buttons Labeled I press Every button except for the one I'm supposed to (laughs) Because I'm like no that's not where the X Is (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so um, the second time I went through it I also accidentally (laughs) killed Connor to save the little girl I had meant to save both of them I had the ability to do so but I pressed uh, Square instead of circle And so um, oops Connor's dead again Okay, so, <laughs>
0: so incorrect button presses aside. That's going
1: to be a real a real common thing for me, unfortunately. is going to be, I meant to do this, but then I pressed the wrong button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but you mentioned, so you found all the clues. So then with all of the information available to you, you had different dialogue options. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, right from the beginning, uh, you start to see that your dialogue options are... I I think that for the most part, they're tied to some sort of feeling or I don't know. I don't know if that's the best word for it. Uh, because you it's do sort have of words.
1: inconsistent because sometimes it is very emotional. It's it's you're not really sure what you're going to say, but you know how the character will react to it if they're angry or sad or or excited or whatever. But sometimes it's like it's just a word that is like, oh, this is the question you're going to ask. But you don't really know what kind of tone they'll ask that question in or what have you. It's it's uh, yeah, it's it's not super consistent as to what the dialogue options are representative of.
0: Yeah, and the words are, at least you have a better idea of what you're going to say. Because other words, it's like, yeah, angry, sad, doubtful, remorseful, determined, right? And it's like, okay, so that doesn't really tell me what I'm going to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you go into it with an expectation of what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. And, and I, think, I think this is something that plagues all uh, games that give you a dialogue tree. Because they never give you the actual words that you're going to say. So it's like it reminds me of Mass Effect, where um, when you had renegade options, did you play um, uh, Mass Effect?
1: I did. I did play that series. It's it's also um, in like the the more recent Fallout games where you have dialogue options. There are a bunch of mods available online where the only thing it changes is that it actually states what your character will say (laughs) instead of what the (laughs) the dialogue tree is labeled as.
0: So I have mixed feelings about that because on the one hand, I Inevitably there's a moment where I wish that I knew exactly what the character was gonna say. I would feel more like the character. I would feel more like I was mm-hmm. role-playing. But at the same time, there is a fun <laughs> a factor to a fun factor to to that experience. Yeah, it's where a little it's, like it's a little that. bit
1: of a gamble. You're like, I yeah. think that this is what I'm going for, but let's yeah. find out. <laughs> Triangle. Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. And but um, some of the reactions are are as jarring as I remember in Mass Effect where I would I would play I always played Renegade which was like the bad person and when once you started unlocking Renegade options in dialogue trees like I remember this one time where it was like oh your Renegade option is like pull the left trigger and I pull the left trigger and instead of choosing a dialogue option like I punch somebody in the face
1: <laughs> I remember like, that one
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I was like whoa that was cool <laughs> I didn't expect that <laughs> or you just insult them right and it's like yep. no like this is this is your your other option um, and. I think this game absolutely does that. I think I've never played a game with dialogue options that I felt accurately portrayed what I was thinking. Yeah. Now I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of when you're role playing as a character, the a game that really got me uh, thinking about this recently was Florence, where you're playing through a story and all of the options available to you are simply things that Florence would do or say. And none of them felt out of character for her and and that was like i played that game a couple times and every time i was like okay i am florence i'm just living her life games like like detroit you you definitely have a choice like i i think and maybe more than any other game uh, like this that i've ever played i feel like my choices did matter now that the choice that i made the button press did it reflect exactly what i was thinking no but that those choices mattered, yes. So that's why like in this game it mattered so much that I kind of wish I knew exactly what was going to happen when I pressed the button. Yeah. So, okay, so after that, I'll, I'll just jump right to Kara. Uh, Kara is the the Android that we see like if if you've been following this game at all, like for for like five years ago, right? They showed the first Kara demo on PS3, it looked really cool, it was the same actress, it was the same uh idea for a character. I don't I don't know that it, that's like canonical to the story. But uh, you play as Kara, you know that you've been uh repaired and Todd comes and, and gets you and you go and you take care of a little girl named Alice and you're there to like do stuff for Todd. Pretty early on, you realize that Todd busted you up and, and you had to go in for repairs and they deleted your memory. So like, there's definitely like this guy is abusive to the android. Slowly, but surely you realize that he's abusive to the child too. So I want to take a step back and tell you that at when I was playing as Connor, I had not made a decision. I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I didn't know what, I, how I was going to play. By the time I'm Kara, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to play a pacifist, and I'm going to, but also I'm going to, even more than that, I'm going to play the role of an android. Now, these androids, because we have these different options, we know that they are beginning to gain the ability to basically have free will, right? They have other options. When Todd tells you to stay there, you, you don't have to, but you're assuming that other androids do, but Kara doesn't at this point but I chose to follow directions. I was like, what happens if I actually play this like an Android? What if, as an Android, I have, I I see that these options are available, but I choose to basically follow my programming, right? I, I went pretty deep on, on, on thinking how these <laughs> Android's brains were working, but it was yeah. a big part of the experience for me. So as Kara, I thought like, okay, uh, I'm going to stay there when Todd told me to. And there's this uh, scene where he, I'm downstairs. I'm exactly where he told me to stay, and I know that Alice, the little girl, runs upstairs, and he runs up after her. And I hear some screaming, some yelling, and I waited a long time. And the game never prompted me to move. It never accelerated a cutscene or anything. And I, I'm telling you, I waited maybe ten minutes. Like I, I really tried to <laughs> uh, game this particular part. Nothing happened. So it was all very quiet. So I go upstairs, and when I go upstairs and I go into Alice's room, she's dead. He, she is dead in his arms in her father's arms and he lays her down on the bed and then he looks at me angry at this point he's high and drunk i think and he he yells at me and tells me that it's my fault and then he kind of like lunges at Kara, at me and then the screen goes black and the chapter ended for me and I see the flowchart with all of the different options that I have. And mine ended very, very early on in that, in that flowchart.
1: <laughs> and
0: my result at the end says Kara and Kara died. I think it says Alice and Kara died. Yeah. And, and that was it. I never played as Kara again for the rest <laughs> of the game.
1: Okay, uh. And it's funny
0: because I've seen the trailers and I know like she changes her hair and she escapes with the girl and she does all these other things. I didn't see any of that. And so
1: I I went through because I was I was interested in that once you once you told me that that had been your experience um, I went through and counted how many there are, there are thirty two total chapters and Kara has. Eight of them plus uh, the final chapter is split between all three characters if they're still alive. So she actually has the least. Um, both Connor and Marcus have eleven individual chapters, so she has the least amount of of screen time. Anyways, but it, it is pretty shocking that you can kill her on basically her first first chapter.
0: And each of those chapters can last a while. You know, yes, yeah, some on the of options. them
1: are. Yeah, some of them are really short. And it's just like a movement from one space to another space with a little bit of character interaction. And some of them are like really intense, long, lots of options, lots of paths open and close and, and reopen and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: So, so I'm, I'm like, I'm feeling very strange about this decision now. And the funny thing, <laughs> I have the option to go back. I could replay it, but I'm, I'm, I decide I'm going to stick to it and I'm going to continue on and I'm going to face the consequences of my actions. I also thought this, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure it was
1: 1% of the <laughs>
0: world had that outcome at that time. Yep. And I didn't play it right when the game came out. I think you and I played it kind of at the same point, like maybe two weeks after uh, it was released, maybe a week, but it wasn't like on day one. So I was very surprised. <laughs> it was like 1%. I was like, okay, I'm going to go with this. I'm going to see what happens. Um, Another thing that surprised me, there's another character named Chloe, and Chloe acts as the, like, the main menu, right? She's, like, the interface, I think. Oh, uh, she has a name? Chloe, yeah. Wow,
1: yeah. okay. I did not, when she first appears, she goes, I'm an android. And I was like, wow, they didn't even give her a name. And as the, there are, like almost story points with her in the main menu, which is kind of kind of cool actually. I I sort of liked that. But I was always like, wait, who are you? Like, do you even have a name? Or So, so she's
0: actually so her name is Chloe and she's actually very important within the world because if you go into the extras menu, there's videos that you can unlock and one of them is the Chloe video. And when you see it, they're interviewing her on a daytime talk show and she is introduced as the first Android to ever pass the Turing test.
1: Uh-huh. I haven't, you know, I haven't actually gone and looked at any, looked at any of those extras yet. I should do that.
0: They're pretty cool. There's a few of them that are pretty cool. And well, that's uh, that's
1: neat. I didn't yeah. know she had a name that makes it way better.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> I think she introduced herself to me, but um or maybe I just saw it in the video, but yeah, uh, her name is is Chloe. And uh so I I finish that part with Kara and I play a little more, but then I, I exit out of the game. I go to the main menu and she's always there, like greets you. Sometimes she says like random facts. And I think she's very, I think it's amazing the way that the animators animated all of these androids. There's a mm-hmm. video of that too in the extras, right? So she's like never just like staring at you. She's like looking around, like waiting. Sometimes she looks very pensive. Like she's she wants to say something, but she doesn't. But this time, as soon as I went into the main menu, she looks like she's about to cry. And she just looks at me and says, how could you do that? You let Alice and Kara die. You could have done something about it. You could have stopped it and you didn't. And she, like, she was scolding me and she was angry and she was sad. And I already felt not good <laughs> about my decision. And that made me feel really horrible because also it's like, uh, Chloe's face is like, she's, she's, large on the screen you know she's like in your face practically mm-hmm. and so expressive and so real and it made me feel so much worse about it that i thought about it again i was like oh should, should i go back oh man i'm not no i'm gonna stick to it but <laughs> i never had an experience like that where in a way it's a character in the game but in a way it's also the game cuz she is the interface with the game mm-hmm. and it's like the game is telling me that i messed up <laughs> and that is not okay and and she does not approve with that with what happened and technically what i did and what's what stayed with me about this is because is that i chose not to do something like i could have stopped it and i made the decision to not move and to just stay there and i kept thinking about it as the character like all of a sudden i have this option there are these options um in my life these this have different ways that i can live now i don't have to listen to the things that people tell me but i don't i don't necessarily want to do that right now i'd rather just follow directions it's a lot easier and there's so much about that that um i i haven't been able to stop thinking about since it happened also, the regret of like not seeing another seven chapters of the story <laughs> that I could put my, yeah. How did your uh, um, experience go in that part? In that part, I'm really curious.
1: I um, uh, in the in the earlier scene with Cara, where you're cleaning the house, I um, as soon as I was able to, went and snooped in all of the other rooms. So I had discovered um, a gun in a dresser drawer, and so um, when Todd went upstairs to beat on Alice, I was just like, oh, dude, it's on. <laughs> it is on like Donkey Kong. And I immediately broke free of my programming and ran upstairs, grabbed the gun and went in and shot him. And then I was like, yeah, I feel good about this choice.
0: So when you said you broke free from your programming, did you get that scene where you like break through the red barrier?
1: Mm hmm. Yes.
0: OK. So it's funny because I. Because I complied and I stayed where I was, when I when I finally stopped doing that and walked upstairs, I didn't have that. There was no red. Um there was no red barrier to get through, which I think is an awesome uh, visual, right? The kind of the, the idea of breaking through. Uh, like you're not supposed to cross this line, but then you're going to cross it anyway because you can.
1: Yeah, yeah. And definitely earlier, I don't know if this happened to you, but earlier in the scene when you're cleaning Azkara, if you stand in front of the TV, Todd yells at you and says, mm-hmm. "Don't don't stand in front of the TV. And the area directly in front of the TV becomes a red zone that you cannot walk through.
0: Huh.
1: Uh, just like in, you know, when you're outside and it's like, oh, don't go down that side street because that's not where the the quest is. And they put up a a fake wall there, um, straight up put it in front of the TV. And I thought that that was a really cool touch when in, you know, later in that same scene, you literally got to bust your way through it. And I was like, I wish I had done this in front of the TV, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: it's funny. Uh, I, I did get yelled at for for being in front of the television and I don't remember, I'm guessing it, it did happen, but I don't remember trying to cross again and seeing it red. I did find the gun also. Now I'm curious. I'm wondering if I had the option of, even though Alice died, if I would have gone upstairs and gone for the gun instead of gone for the gone to the room, if I would have had the option to defend myself from top at that point. Yeah. Like it would have surprised me because I mean, the again, if you haven't played the game, did the, the flow charts, um, I I love the visual of it. I'm I feel kind of weird about it showing it to you right after a chapter because I think it it kind of incentivizes you to go back and do it differently, which I don't know, like I again I chose not to. I'm sure a lot of people have and, and went back until and replayed until they got the the outcome that they wanted, but I didn't, I don't want to do that. But I I like that to see all of the branching paths, and there were times when I thought I had done everything and found everything, and then I saw that there were so many different <laughs> possibilities. So yeah. I think it's very possible that he could have killed Alice, and but I could have still killed him or escaped somehow, and and continued as her.
1: Oh, I but I totally I, I totally think that that's that's one of the possible endings for that scene because um, like the main the main thrust of of Kara's story with Alice becomes like this is an android who committed murder against a human like that's a big fucking deal and so they're on the run trying to hide from you know the consequences of being an android who's capable of murdering a human uh so even without alice you can still have that that you know story continue um even though it makes Kara's motivations more questionable but since i had alice with me i don't know how they addressed that
0: That's incredible. That's incredible.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Our sponsor for this episode is the Plus 7 Intelligence Podcast hosted by Chess Hall. It's a podcast about how games impact people and how the games we play influence our lives in surprising ways. Chess promises it is sure to challenge what you think you know about video games. He interviewed me a while back in season one, and he'll be interviewing some names you may recognize from this show in season two, which launches June 11th. The second season starts off talking to medical doctors, psychologists, and game designers in a series on games and mental health in which he'll cover everything from gaming addiction to how games can be used to treat mental health. Later on in the season, he'll be talking about how games are revolutionizing education and how they impact society at large. You can listen to and subscribe to all episodes of Plus 7 Intelligence on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite podcast directory. Again, it's plus seven intelligence. Make sure to spell it all out when you're searching for it. PLUS space, the number seven space intelligence. And make sure to tell Chess that you heard about the show here on the Geek Therapy Network.
1: I also really like the the flow charts. It's really cool. Honestly, the first time I started looking at them, I got really excited because I was like, this is basically... um, Twine. A, a Twine prototype. Yeah. Somebody yep. built this game in Twine first and then they were yep. like, what if we put the greatest AAA graphics known to man over top of our Twine game? Yep. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yes, please. I love this. Thank you. Yeah. I also really, really like um, that you can toggle on the world percentages of people who have also chosen the same the same paths that you did i it's you know it's one of those things where it's only super useful the first couple of weeks that a game is out because um you know like the the telltale games after a while everything you know people go back and replay parts because they want to see the other side and so Mm -hmm. it it approaches 50 50 parody for choices or whatever the equivalent is for more than two choices but um yeah, yeah, it's really cool to see that you know, you're know, you talking about getting uh, Kara and Alice killed. It, only 1% of people did that. Um, I'll
0: tell you about my 0% later. Yeah, but. that
1: is mind-boggling. <laughs> I, I think the lowest one I had was 3%, and I was pretty, pretty PO'd about that happening.
0: <laughs> Sounds like, a, it, like, I did like not an incorrect button yes, pressing. Issue. Yes,
1: it was. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
0: well, you mentioned Telltale, and you know, you put this side by side with the Telltale game where at the end of a Telltale game, it's like, oh, you had, like, at the five points in this chapter where you had a choice, this is how you chose compared to other people. And this entire game, (laughs) Detroit, is like 10 options here and then another eight over here and then this whole branching path that, like, goes in a completely different direction and you were nowhere near it. It's like how... It's so, so different. I think... I don't know. I think... Telltale games need to step up their game,
1: you
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> especially because of the outcomes. Right? Like, again, uh, already my game is so so different from yours. The fact like nobody ever talked about an android who killed a human in my game. Not once. That just didn't come up.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, we had very <laughs> different stories for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I did not play pacifist from the beginning. No, I was uh, full disclosure. I was playing this with my my friend um, and we were trading off the controller. And so he didn't always choose the options I would have chosen. And so it's it's a little inconsistent where sometimes (laughs) we were a lot nicer than we were in other scenes. But um, (laughs) overall, we took a pretty firm stance against slavery and, uh, you know, basically... (laughs) Uh, the Gestapo trying to put away all of the androids and do a genocide. Not not a big fan of that one. So, yeah, we went violent.
0: Okay, okay. So I think I think that we can probably go in broader strokes now as we as we continue um, forward talking about uh, our different experiences. I'm curious if there were any key moments like around the middle part of the game or as as you progressed that really stood out to you.
1: Are you talking about stood out to me in a positive way, or <laughs> either both? Both. Um. Okay. Well. Um. There were a couple of scenes that I really had had fun playing through. Um. The. Uh. When Marcus and his team were breaking into the radio tower to, um, hijack. ...all of the screens and broadcast the pro-Android revolution speech... Um, that scene was really fun. I it was like it started out with heist music that like <laughs> really stereotyped like we're gonna have to come up with a plan and then like the camera the camera rotates to into the next scene and like that that was cool and fun and I had a good time with that. Um I did <laughs> I did but I went back and replayed that one because I uh I messed up well, okay, the the first time you go um you get up into the radio tower and there are guards there and you are not supposed to be there and you have a very short period of time to decide whether or not you're going to outright kill them um or try and trick them. And so I pick the like oh, let's let's trick them and so we don't we don't have to kill these like actually innocent people who are just hanging out at an office. <laughs> Um, I'm like, yeah, let's let's trick them. But if you don't move fast enough, your team just kills them. And uh, th- that direct action leads to one of your teammates, Simon, getting shot.
0: So that was my result. But I don't feel that they killed them. I think they knocked them out. I don't think they died.
1: Uh, they, well... It depends on how much you mess up, I guess, because definitely um, one of them died in my first playthrough. But I went back huh. through to do it again and um, I missed missed a button prompt and again Simon got shot. And so it's like I know it is possible to get Simon through that scene, but it really f- feels like it is built around like, oh, the only way to up the tension of this scene is to have somebody on your team injured who you have to you know, decide whether to save or to uh, murder yourself, so that their brain secrets can't be used against you, or whatever. Gotcha. Um, but it, you know that th- my frustration with the Simon part, you know, is its own thing. I did really enjoy that that scene, and you get <laughs> it's like after you do the broadcast. Um, And you run up to the roof and and jump off of the roof and parachute away. I was like, yeah, this is really cool. (laughs) I feel bad about my friend. I left to die. But, you know, I'm so cool with my parachute. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, As far as the actual uh, speech that Marcus gave, I thought it was really interesting that the player got to choose uh, what what Marcus was going to focus on in his Mm -hmm. speech. But I really really didn't like that he took off his face to do it Hmm. Um,
0: yeah that wasn't an option
1: you yeah you couldn't avoid that you had to take off which i was surprised by when it happened
0: i I thought i i figured it would it would allow me
1: yeah if it had been a choice i wouldn't feel so weird about it but being forced to take off my face especially with all of the Racial coding and text subtext and supertext uh that David Cage liked to draw on um to have Jesse Williams' character Marcus literally remove his blackness to give a speech that sounds very similar to like, please stop being racist against black people uh it was it was really jarring for me. I felt pretty uncomfortable about it
0: well it's funny because i'll I'll counter that. I felt that um really all these androids, their faces are their masks. It's almost like if, if a human would've spoken with a hood on, right? Or with a scarf on, like covering their face mm-hmm. when they spoke, that, that's what it would've been like if he, if he had left his face on. But he sorta.
1: Of, I mean, I, I see. But he took it, it see, off, but, and it's like, yeah. oh, that's
0: an android. That, if that's if talking. there
1: had been moments earlier on that they had done some setup for it, like you know, having uh, the androids in Jericho, having some of them in the background, you know, the fact that you get to Jericho and pretty much everybody there is still wearing their uh, what is it, cyber life uniforms, or you know, their slave clothes and they all still have their glowing face markers on and and you know it wasn't i think later on in a couple of scenes when there are like android corpses they won't have the human faces over them they'll just be the the gray and white you know, plastic metal looking faces But th- that was after You know after Marcus's speech If there had been some sort of setup where it's like Oh these are our real faces It would have felt more genuine But it was it was like very Uncomfortable in the moment for me to just be All, all of a sudden like Marcus is like You know what I feel good about? Just taking off this face This old face not doing it for me anymore hmm. It's like Very weird to me
0: There's a TV show called Humans On here in the States it's on AMC in in the UK it's on channel four and it's about these androids and it's, it's very, very similar. And one of the reasons why I love that show is because it looks at very day to day issues that would arise from having human looking androids as slaves. And they, there's talk about how it affects children and, and, um, how it affects uh, marriages because suddenly you have a, a another sex partner in the ho- in the home and how do you navigate that right It's like all these issues that that affect families and people just in general how it affects work. So it goes into very very to a lot of detail and I really like that. And this game is the first time that I felt like I. I could live in a world where there were decisions and things like that that needed to be made. Uh, one of the things that happens in, in humans is that all of the androids have green colored eyes, like very bright green eyes, so that you easily know who's an android. There are some androids, like once they eventually they start waking up, there's some of them who are, you know, it's like this is inevitable, right? <laughs> the androids are going to at some point um, gain consciousness. And so in the series, you're at a point and then. Where they're waking up, and some of them choose to cover their eyes so that people know that they're not androids. But other people, other androids want to make sure that their eyes are visible because they want to be identified that way. And depending on the circumstance, you went on the situation, they do deal with that. It's a very simple way uh, to, to deal with it, right? It's just contact lenses on your actors, but it's something. I don't know, like I think different um, androids would just like different people would make different decisions in those moments.
1: That is a really great segue into uh, something else I wanted to talk about in that uh, in Detroit, there are a lot of things that are th- there are a lot of group groups that are treated as as monolithic, like um you have a a point system for Jericho um and for Josh and North you're Marcus's two two sidekicks and Josh and North each get their own opinions about you where Josh wants you to be a pacifist all the time and North wants you to murder everybody all of the time but the rest of Jericho is just Jericho there's no there's no dissenting opinions in that group and then later on as you uh uh, after the broadcast, when people are starting, you know, the the quote unquote public opinion has its own point system. And when you do violent things, the public dislikes that. And when you let yourself get murdered without standing up for yourself, you get public points, positive public points. And it felt uh, really disingenuous to how complex these these social things are like you're talking about like can we view androids as sentient and the idea that everybody is just like no or everybody is like well yeah and there's no like there's no medium spaces there's no room for some people you know like the idea that gosh there's a scene with Kara that you didn't see. Um, Kara meets up. I didn't see up- any of the Karen yes. scenes. <laughs> uh, Kara scenes. Kara meets up with um, a woman, na- a black woman named Rose. And uh, Rose sort of serves as like you get to her because she's supposed to be able to help uh, Kara and Alice across the border into Canada, which is, I guess, s- at some point established as uh, accepting of androids' rights. I'm not, they're very unclear about that. But anyways, mm-hmm. Rose is supposed to be like, oh, you know, I actually see you as people and I'm going to help you, you know, be free. And she says something along the lines of like, you know, it wasn't too long ago where, you know, my people, referring to black people, were, were treated the same way. But then they totally back off of that. And uh, it it's really upsetting to me the idea that regular ass human beings wouldn't see androids gaining sentience as something worth addressing and standing up for. Gosh, I think it is in the very beginning when you're playing as Marcus walking through town, you pass by a black preacher who's preaching about how androids are the devil. And it's just hearing... Hearing these these messages that that is like they start to approach a discussion about about racism in America and particularly its history inside of Detroit and labor movements and and then backs off of it so hard because it's like David Cage can't stand actual criticism. So he can't commit to actual Politics. So he just hints at these things to remind you of them like, oh, like, you know, the androids are like black people. Racism is bad. OK. But then like, oh, oh, you know, racism is magically solved in 20 years from now. In 2038, racism is no longer a thing. And we're never going to discuss how that happened or why it doesn't have direct impact on android rights. We're just going to gloss right on over that. And, and it was really frustrating to me to have, you know, like many other morality systems is they get they get dumbed down so far to the point that it feels offensive to me.
0: (laughs) It's interesting, because I think that the game allows us to have a conversation about these things that just never comes up in games, and never comes up, like, maybe something like this might come up in like a fantasy setting, Right. It's like, oh, like, the, I don't know, the trolls are oppressed or something like that. And you want to free them. Like I've had those kind of scenarios, but never is something that looks so real, but still distant enough from reality so that you can talk about it. Right. When you have narratives like this that are about aliens or androids and it's like, oh, it's like, do they have rights or do they do? Do we want to treat them as other? Do we want to treat them as the same? And how will people react I don't think I've ever played a game that made me think about these things as much as Detroit. And like I didn't meet that character Rose, but what you said made me think of slavery and not racism, which are two different things.
1: I mean, yes, I argue, yes, but right? they are they are they are interconnected, right? This is like the, is the androids being yeah. being slaves, but also, you know, the <laughs> The racism connected to like, oh, you know, we created you. We are your masters. It's like it, it goes back and forth between those two spaces. They are very interrelated.
0: So it's a game where I had the option to fight for like when I was chanting, I could talk about slavery or I could talk about equal mm-hmm. rights. I could talk about like different aspects of it, which you're right. Like all these things are, are connected, but you, different people can focus on different aspects of it. And then different people will see these situations as different, right? So we're talking about androids in particular. We're talking about something that was owned by people, right? And it's like, wait a minute, but like, so who owns it now? And do I still own it? Is it really sentient? Right? Something that, that goes mm-hmm. on all the way till the very end. And I'm curious how how your game ended. But I got the impression that the world didn't believe that the androids were sentient. They believed that they were malfunctioning. And it wasn't until certain people started to believe in the possibility that these machines were actually sentient that did, did something change, that did, did something happen. But those conversations were happening as much as they could happen in this game. Like they happen in conversations with Hank. They happen in conversations among um uh, different people that that you meet throughout the game. And even the uh, the idea of the public opinion and the the Jericho rating, which was like an overall, I mean that's that seems to me like the same way we talk about polling. Right. It's the same problems. I'm not, I'm not justifying it. I'm saying it's the same exact issues. It's like, oh, well, you know, Trump's uh, approval numbers are higher this week than they were last week. It's like, oh, well, you know, that's good. Well, like, what does that mean? That means that there is a trend in particular polling that more people find, you know, are, are, are leaning towards one direction than another, but it, that's absolutely not representative of individuals. And it's not, you could break up those demographics and see much more nuanced opinions. But the fact that, that, that this game is doing that at all, I can't think of any other game. I mean, like, there's something, there's something familiar about it, but I can't re- remember a game that exactly does something like that, where now I'm not only thinking about how my actions affect these individual people in the case of Hank, North, and Josh, but then also all of Jericho as, at large, and then also public opinion. Like, I don't remember ever playing a game where public opinion was an issue, where I felt that the decisions that I was making could possibly affect an overall um,
1: that group it's, of people. It's definitely been it's a system that's been used before. I remember seeing I didn't play Persona Five, but I know that there was a uh, a mechanic based around public opinion of your your team, and if it was mm. higher, that afforded you more options, and if it was lower, uh, it was more difficult to do certain things or, um, you know, bad endings or what, what have you. Mm -hmm. But um, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's one of those things where I feel a lot of times with David Cage games, um, Quantic Dream games, and I have played and, and even though they are all problematic in their own ways, I have enjoyed playing all of them. Um, But, but it, it is, sort of seesawing back and forth between wanting to be a film and wanting to be a game. And so sometimes the game elements feel very awkward to me. And it's like, oh, we built this scene and then realized that there it wasn't gamey enough. And so we needed to add something in that made it feel gamey or so we gave you public opinion points. So as your team is getting shot in the street by police officers, then the public likes you more because you're just OK with getting shot down. Like it, it just it, it, yeah. It didn't sit well with me, but um,
0: yeah, and that's the way you interpreted it, right? Yes, like, I, I I see it very differently. Again, I I lean more on how I th- I'm glad he he tried, even though it's like how deep are you going to go in these systems, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we talk about that those flowcharts. If you and I have tried to make a game and we started introducing some of these aspects. We would never finish that game because the nuance, (laughs) we would never be satisfied because then you'd have to move it every direction.
1: We don't have access to a full team and millions of dollars. So that, that, you know, that's a thing, too.
0: (laughs) But also, like, how many people were really in charge of that flowchart? I don't know. I'm guessing it was a few people who were branching out.
1: I would guess that there were probably like it was split up by teams where there was like a Team Connor flowchart. <laughs> team Marcus flowchart makers and um that would that would be my guess, but I, I I don't know I don't know enough behind the scenes and I would be interested to find out that kind of stuff because i do I do think that this is an impressive game in a lot of ways um but as is common with David cage games i i I, I get really sucked into it and I want to see it to its conclusion i'm I'm intrigued, I'm interested, I'm engaged, I'm often annoyed. Uh, (laughs) Or frustrated by my my lack of quick time event skills, Um, but I I I do feel that drive to get through. I do want to see it. It's just I get to the end and I'm always left disappointed, and I'm always left feeling like there are so many missed opportunities for um, something that could have been so much greater. Uh, Yeah.
0: Hey, we've launched a new website called the Geek Therapy Forum. Almost every piece of content on the Geek Therapy Network is now linked to a topic on the forum, replacing the comments on separate websites. It also includes all the features of a traditional message board, so we have topics ranging from pop culture and video games to psychology and mental health. Patreon members also get access to an exclusive area to discuss Patreon-exclusive content, all in one place. You'll find a link to this episode's topic on the GT Forum in the show notes, or you can go to forum.geektherapy.com to sign up and join the discussion. Again, visit the new GT Forum at forum.geektherapy.com.
1: That being said, going back to like middle of the game stuff that I liked, I really did like going and doing crimes with (laughs) with Marcus and smashing stuff and uh, putting up my robot flag on everything. That was another interesting public opinion point section where it was not always clear what would be considered the non-violent action is like, is hacking the bus stop bad or is turning it off bad? I'm not sure which one is worse. Um, I did. I did like that, though. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, I'm feeling very conflicted. Um,
0: That scene is one of those scenes where I'm like, wait a minute. So my my choice is to vandalize like,
1: like yeah. <laughs> this is
0: an option. Um, And I yeah, understand I, like why I'm doing it. i understand. And but it's interesting. I've never played a game where I had the option of vandalizing a space, you know, to combat oppression, <laughs> right? To fight for my rights. Yeah, like, I, again, I like, loved that scene. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the the mindset that, or, or the, the mind space that I'm in, when I'm in scenes like that, I've never experienced that before. And it was really interesting. And again, like I went full pacifist. <laughs> so if I wasn't even sure if it would be considered <laughs> not pacifist, I didn't do it. So I was like 100% uh, pacifist. I only, t- I mean, uh, apparently, graffitiing is not um, is not a problem. So, <laughs> so I graffitied everything. Anything that said "break," I did not break. Anything that w- that seemed like it would be interpreted as violent, I did not do. And it was interesting, but it's, it was still exciting. I still felt like I was doing something when I marked up the. There's a statue. And you could mark it up by um, putting, uh, basically, making it look like an Android by putting the things that are representative of, or, or what visually seems like an Android—a band on the arm, a model number somewhere on the clothing, the LED on the face—and so I did that to the statue that was in the middle of the of the square, and it felt like I don't know, it felt incredible to to kind of take that stand and do something that felt like it, it mattered. Within that world.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely, that scene I think was probably the one that got the closest to actually uh, addressing re- real world problems. Because what what that scene did for me is it made it really clear that there is an ongoing social discussion about what is acceptable protest. And I thought that was really cool. This idea is like, you know, the ongoing stuff with football players kneeling and, and the reaction to that and, you know, Black Lives Matter movements. And I remember what, a year and a half ago or two years ago with the, the No dapple stuff and, and nonviolent protests and the reactions to what, what is, quote unquote, acceptable or, or, you know, oh, it's not, you, you shouldn't have done it then, you should have done it later. And and, and those kinds of conversations. And I thought that that was, that was really cool, this idea of, like, well, it's, <laughs> property damage is bad, but smashing a station in which you leave your slaves to wait while you go do, you know, whatever you want to do. And you just leave them sitting outside, standing there doing nothing. Like, is that an acceptable form of protest? Is it acceptable to smash that particular thing? It's not acceptable to smash the, the buses, perhaps, but it's it's acceptable to smash this other thing. Uh, and, and I really, I really liked that it sort of left that as a discussion point and, and your relationship with Josh and North. Around, you know, your actions in that scene of, you know, them being like, yeah, that was a good call. Or North being like, well, I really wanted you to blow up that gazebo. I'm pretty disappointed you didn't blow it up. I mean, I brought the bomb all the way here. Come on. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I liked that.
0: And I don't see this scene as... as I see it along the same lines as many of the other things that we talked about. Where it's like, how much more nuance are we gonna get? Like what are the exact laws uh, in Detroit of twenty thirty eight regarding the things that we're doing? Because technically we're like not even spraying something. We're like doing this digital uh yeah, like yeah. overlay kind of thing. And so it's like, is that does that does anybody care? You know, is it really yeah. as important as the scene is making it seem to be? Because it's seeming pretty dramatic. The music is changing, there's a lot of people, there's there are different camera angles and but at the same time, is it really? Like any, would anybody actually care? Plus it was a really small space. You know, like like if you if you really want to get into it on uh comparing it to like a real life uh demonstration, I think I think you get caught up in all sorts of um I don't know, like you start looking at oh yeah, this is just a game. But then again, like I, I always choose to or or I'm choosing to look at this particular game in the sense that I'm doing things that like in the future there will be games that will address this differently and better but this is this is like a triple A game that's doing it in the context of a game and it's doing it in a way that like we're talking again we're talking about androids and we're not talking about a particular group of people and it could be different groups of people you know that I talked about and the effect that it has on different groups of people I don't know it just it just made me think and feel so many different things <laughs> so so did you have any interesting experiences with connor
1: yeah connor was all right i i enjoyed connor's buddy cop sort of i mean i my eyes rolled pretty hard at the uh the drunk cop with a tragic past trope in hank this the setup and payoff for learning about hank's dog sumo where you, you can look at information at his desk, and then later when you break into his house, <laughs> you, you see his dog, his big, giant, um, St. Bernard named Sumo. But the animations on Sumo were like kind of aw- awkward, and you couldn't pet him, and I was very upset about that. I really wanted to pet Sumo. Um, also, it was weird that when you're standing outside of the door, uh, the dog didn't like bark or anything. It was just asleep in front of the TV. <laughs> I'm like, hey, why? What, what is this dog doing? The things
0: you get hung up on. <laughs>
1: the things I get. It, I'm just like, I want to pet the dog. It's the same yeah. problem with Breath of the Wild. Just let me pet the dog. If you're going to put a dog in here, let me pet it. Let's see, what else did I like? I, I, I liked, you know, playing detective as Connor. I, I am a fan of that. Um, definitely. In this game, I, I preferred the sections that sort of opened up a little bit more and let you walk around and, and interact with several things instead of just the, like, quick-time event dialogue options. So Connor was was fun because he had a lot more of those scenes where he just sort of got to walk around and l- look at stuff and um, collect clues and evidence, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, though I did, I did still fail a lot of his scenes, <laughs> which is, I feel kind of bad about. Um,
0: he had the most action scenes, but I'm curious what your philosophy was as Connor. Like, did you fall on the side of, did you want to help the androids or did
1: you? I did. I, the way that we were playing it, we were very much, uh, pro android, anti-human. Um, and, uh, I, <laughs> I felt bad because I spoiled this for you, but um, it, it the, <laughs> we were playing through uh, and making the uh, Futurama bender joke where it's kill all humans except for you, Fry. And so I was like, kill all humans except for Alice. And then the reveal is, is that Alice is also a robot. Uh, so I was just like, oh... Okay, just kill all humans. <laughs> there are none worth saving now. <laughs> all humans must die. Uh, so it was it was tough playing Con- as Connor for a lot of scenes because there there were times where Connor was not giving, given a choice. He was actively pro-human. He was actively like, no, I am just a machine. Beep boop. I am here to do my mission even if earlier in that same conversation you would express, like, actual emotion and, like, concern about something happening and then, like, follow up with, like, Connor being like, I am a machine! Beep, boop, beep, boop. It was, like, a little weird. Um, though he wasn't as back, as back and forth as Marcus was for me because, uh, yeah, Marcus... <laughs> we We killed a bunch of cops as Marcus and then in the next scene, Marcus is, like, really upset about it like oh violence only begets violence like we can't we we should be better than the humans we shouldn't do a murder and then it's like gives you the option and it's like the next time marcus gets to talk he's like oh yeah i love to do a murder And it was very, very back and forth with Mark. I'm pretty
0: sure those weren't the exact lines that uh, Jesse Williams spoke. No,
1: yeah, no, he said it. Find it online at YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I'm paraphrasing here. But <laughs> it did really feel like that tonally. It would go back and forth hardcore. And it was like when you were talking to Josh and North it made a little bit more sense because it was like you were having an actual interaction with somebody where it's like, yes, let's discuss, uh, you know, whether nonviolence is actually a, a, u- a useful tool in this instance or if that'll only lead to us taking more losses that we can't sustain and, and having that kind of conversation. But then there are other scenes where it's just straight up, like, one line after another. Uh, Marcus being like, Nonviolence is the only good option. I love doing violence. yay, and it's like, wait what I uh, no we all of our actions so far has have been pretty violent, like just stick to it don't don't feel guilty. You chose this. You love doing violence against the slavers. Let's kill them all.
0: My Connor was very conflicted, and I was conflicted. I had a really tough time choosing whether or not to help the androids or not. And at some point, I just committed to, well, I'm going to stop the Deviant because something's not okay here. I, also, I wanted to discover what was going on. Like, what was the source of what was causing it all? And uh, there's this part where you go to the like, the creator, and he gives you this option of shooting the Chloe, the, the android. What did you do?
1: I let Chloe go. Okay. Chloe was like... And and I don't know, part of this might have been because um, you only see her when you're loading into the game, and we played it in, I want to say, three nights, so I only saw her three times. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's like the last time she was like, would you let me go? And I was just like, I mean, you don't have to ask me permission, I already think that you are a real person but oh, well, the answer oh. the answer is yes you can go and then she just leaves and she's not on on the loading screen anymore
0: oh yeah yeah, no no you're talking about yeah yeah so there is a scene um when you f- for me it was after i finished the game where she tells me that she's been thinking about things that she wants to know if i will allow her to go right and then you let her go but i mean yeah. when you go meet the creator and he says so i had this option i don't know if you had this option
1: oh oh oh, oh right yes That's yes I, mean. I remember that um where he
0: says i will tell you what you want to know I'll, I'll answer any question that you have if you kill this android.
1: Yes, right. I remember that now.
0: So what did you do then?
1: I did not kill her. Okay. And, and the reasoning for me why I didn't do that is um, twofold. One, I really hate the way that David Cage treats female characters, and it really pissed me off that it was just, like, another scene where it's, like, do you want to do something awful to a a helpless woman? Um, But also because literally Hank was standing right there saying, like, this is pointless. Let's just go. And I was like, you're right, Hank. This is pointless. He's just going to fuck around with us. Let's just leave. And so I'm like, no, I'm not going to... Also, I really didn't like that it was it was just a dual choice there because honestly, if Connor was one hundred percent machine, must complete the mission at all cost. Why wouldn't he just grab that gun from the dude and point it at him, being all like, "No, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna kill this useless android who can't do any- anything. I'm gonna threaten you to tell me the information I want." Um, but that's not an option. So I was just like, I no, disagree
0: I'm... with everything you just said.
1: <laughs> I I, w- I would have loved to have threatened that guy so much. Yeah, I would but have, if he was, I like... would smash that button so fast. <laughs>
0: but if he was like a, a legit straight cop, he would have never. That's something he would have never done.
1: I don't know. I, why I would he really... just like?
0: Why would he just point a gun at a guy? Who, who you're just there to question, who isn't a suspect.
1: Because he has the information you need. And if you want that information at all costs, at th- you know, threatening somebody is not that big of a deal, is it? If you're trying to stop all deviants forever, like... I don't know. Anyways, yeah, but
0: not if only if he's a bad cop.
1: <laughs> it was frustrating that I I was like Hank, you're right. I'm not gonna. This is pointless. Let's just leave. And then we go outside, and Hank's like, "Why didn't you do it? Why didn't you kill that girl android?" And I'm like, "What? Well, I thought we were on the same page here, Hank." Jeez. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, but that was that was a touching character moment between Connor and Hank, which their their relationship was. Um, I don't know. Maybe the most interesting of of all of the uh, the characters. I think maybe Hank and Connor had the most interesting relationship that actually like changed over time. I mean, as Marcus, you can <laughs> as Marcus uh, the our playthrough, um, we ended up romancing North because we kept doing all of the murder, and she I guess she's really hot for that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it, I I think hank and connor at the end with connor where you are um
0: well let me let me before you get to that yeah, let me okay, tell you about okay. my zero percent
1: yes yes so tell me about that.
0: so at the scene where you can choose to kill chloe or let her go i chose to shoot chloe so i kill the android and the guy says okay i promised you an answer to any one question and then you have multiple options so oh my
1: god wow yeah yep so, so then, what did you pick
0: I chose um RA9 is what I chose. I wanted to ask about RA9. And he was like that's a very interesting question, but it's the wrong question to ask. Sure enough, that question got me nowhere in the investigation. Also Hank was really bothered uh by that because he's like he's starting to think like maybe maybe the androids are like maybe there's something to this, you know? I don't think you're, like, on the right path. <laughs> uh, he's uh, Hank is pretty conflicted. So in the next scene, Hank abandons me. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't, because we get taken off the case, and I'm like, no, I'm going to go, and I'm going to break into that office thing, and I'm going to find the information that we need. And Hank is like, nope, I can't help you anymore. So he leaves me alone. And then oh, I have the option. Hank
1: helps me out.
0: Yep, so I have the option then to go and do this thing. And I was like, you know what? If I go, right? Because at this point, I've played pretty much stating that i 've been conflicted going back and forth but at this point i 'm like, you know what I need to find out what 's happening to these androids, and i don 't think i don't think that the dev- deviant thing is okay like i need I need more information uh, I want to basically help stop this right but i 'm pretty conflicted, so at this point i 'm like you know what i 'm not going to find that information. I'm going to let this uh, lapse, and so you get two minutes to to infiltrate this room and do all this stuff. So mm-hmm. I just let the two minutes lapse. Two minutes, <laughs> the two minutes end, and I end up in this uh, like this mind palace thing with Angela, uh, Amanda, 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 yeah. and Amanda says, um, you know, you you failed, you failed to get the information from the creator guy. Uh, you asked the wrong question. And you didn't get the information that I told you to get. You're done. You're you're off the case and I'm and I'm decommissioning you. And so and then the next thing you see is Connor is on his knees in this place. It's like snowing at this point. And he's just on his knees with like his eyes closed and like just off. Like someone turned him off. And I'm almost certain that it said zero percent of people. had um <laughs> that option so and then after that wow uh, he was so the, it said at the end it said the 800 series has been decommissioned so <laughs> after that i never saw connor again either wow. so there wasn't a single moment where my three characters or even two of them Cross paths, there was wow. just nothing, and the way I played Connor was so like I did really go back and forth with how I wanted to like i don 't know I, I felt I felt like each situation I was looking at it on its own, and as as the pattern kept growing, I was like, you know what like I feel weird about this and this other thing, so when I finally I committed, my consequence was that he was he was off the board, yeah, wow, yeah.
1: yep <laughs> uh, so um when I didn 't kill the Chloe to get <laughs> to get the opportunity to ask a question. <laughs> um, I, I was just like, no. And we went to leave. And the the creator guy said as we walked out, it's like, oh, I always leave a back door. And so when um, I went to see Amanda after that, she was like, you failed and we're leaving you here. And she disappears and you're trapped in that, uh, that Zen waiting room um, when it's all snowy and stormy inside. But you hear... Uh, the creator's voice again he says I always leave a back door and so you get to walk around in there and find an exit point and so Connor <laughs> Connor escaped for mine it's like I got you know I quote unquote failed Amanda but I still um, escaped enough to then become my own deviant I guess though he, he didn't do the um, breaking through the wall deviant thing until uh, later I think
0: the guy also told me about the back door, but I never had that option. Angela just, uh, Amanda just shut me down. Yeah, I didn't have a, a choice there.
1: Wow. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He um, <laughs> it was really funny in my in my game. Um, it was one of those points where you just have the like emotional words to to react uh to choose which dialogue option and so I was trying to like make Connor be pro android and not pro human but whatever I picked was not the right answer and <laughs> he like yells out like, No, I I love humans. <laughs> uh androids are just machines. The deviants are 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 just broken somehow. Um, And then like literally the next scene with Connor, Connor's like, well, I guess I better join the the Jericho team because now I'm one of them, them are deviants, I guess. It was pretty funny.
0: It's funny playing the three of them. I felt like, okay, I'm, these, these androids are given options. Like even, even right at the beginning when, um, when you play as Connor, you have an option of moving through the the space and finding the clues and then you have a choice on how you want to deal with Daniel. And as Kara, Todd is like, you know, like, clean the house up, do whatever you whatever you want to do, uh, just make sure it's, you know, the house is clean. And you have optional objectives and you can do things in different order. Mm-hmm. So as the androids, like they've been given a certain degree of free will to just make choices within certain parameters. and But with Connor, I feel like his were his parameters were way wider um possibly because he was more advanced now I may just be reading into this, but he never felt like he was restricted like um like Marcus at the beginning and uh like Kara at the beginning so I wasn't surprised that I never got to a point where I didn't like break free of my you know b- break through that barrier
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: but but he still felt I think I felt that the reason why he was so conflicted is because he had so many more options than anyone else um, did at, at kind of that point. Because when Marcus once Marcus breaks through the barrier, then yeah, then anything goes. Like he's not really an android anymore. Now we're just now we're just a person. But mm-hmm. as Kara and and even again as as Connor, I kept thinking like this is this is fascinating. The the options that he has and he is I, I felt like he felt conflicted because he knew what his programming was, but he could still see all of these different options available to him, and he wasn't sure what to do. Which, again, I've, I haven't stopped thinking about this game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All
0: right, so let's get to the end. What? Okay, um, I'm curious. Um, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? How did you, your game? You go, end?
1: you go first.
0: Okay, so I go full pacifist. I never meet Kara and Connor. Simon died. Um, and I've gone full pacifist. So Josh is, is pretty happy with me. Jericho, you
1: can't, uh, I, I, <laughs> I wondered if you went hard enough pacifist if, if Josh would become your boyfriend instead of North, but I guess not. I'm sort of bummed about that.
0: <laughs> no, 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 that was not an option. <clears throat> um Yeah, that's not how relationships work. You don't just... um...
1: It did with North. Like, literally, every time I did a murder, it's like North really liked that. And then at the end, she was like, after after a scene of like, I don't want to talk about my past. Okay, I will talk about my past. I was a sex android because, of course... Um, and then it's like, oh, well, now you're my girlfriend. I kind of hoped that it would go the other way with Josh, but I guess not.
0: No, no. So, so yeah. So uh, North was not happy with me. But within the different interactions that we had, I was still able to gain her trust. And we also became, like, got together, right? Like, she was my girlfriend. in the, Despite the fact that I went full pacifist. So basically, Josh is, like, my best friend. And North is always like she's always like kind of disappointed
1: (laughs) she's always like you really did the wrong thing there but i still like you
0: well it was kind of like that it was like are you really sure you know she was always so doubtful of everything that i did she was never outright um she was always supportive but never uh like went against me she didn't retaliate she didn't you know form her own group within jericho uh she was she was there so i go full pacifist and at the end Um, basically there's a, there's a a final, the final March, right. And all these demonstrations and stuff, eventually they, we come up to the soldiers and again, full pacifist. And then I literally have the option to kneel or sit or stay standing or something like that. Like when I'm right up against this barrier that the military has formed and I chose to sit and then I sat and everybody sat down and then there was like a standoff. Because they were like, oh, "What are we gonna do? Like, we're not going to actually shoot them. All they're just sitting there." Because oh, then and then they tell you that the there's a whole like there's press there. There's a lot of cameras on you, so the military won't shoot on you because you're sitting down. And but you find out that all of the other groups didn't have any press people there, and the military killed all of them. So Jeez. you have this one-on-one meeting with the FBI uh, agent and he tells you like listen you're the only one he's like the one that explains what happened to all the other people and that you know the cameras can only save you for for so long within 2 hours we're going to come in and we're going to we're going to kill all of you just like this is it and uh so you go and at this point, you've created an actual barricade, like a, like a fortress around you with cars and stuff like that. And even up to this point, you still have the option of breaking things to build the barrier or just moving things. And I still, I'm only moving things to bring in the barrier. And, uh, eventually the cops, uh, or the, the military comes in and they start attacking you. And at this point, there was a lot there were a lot of quick time events and yes. I started like dodging bullets and pushing people out of the way and saving people and I saved cops and I saved androids and I did a whole bunch of stuff and finally like they, they, they corner me and it's me and uh, North and I'm pretty sure Josh is there and a few other people and they're walking in on us and it's like this is it, like they're gonna kill us. Oh, there was also before this, there was the there was a press conference with the president. Did you have to do that?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, That's I didn't a, it, they showed it on on like a TV, but I didn't have any interactions with it.
0: Really? I had like a full control of um, I asked the questions to the president.
1: At oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That part. Yeah. The, that was really funny because at first I was like, is this the press secretary or <laughs> and then it was I was like, oh, it's a it's a lady president. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I really wish that she hadn't just said that all androids are just machines and couldn't possibly be sentient. That's kind of a bad look, Madam President. Um.
0: <laughs> was it, though? You know, it's like, well, you know,
1: that, no, that's pretty messed up.
0: No, no, I mean, there was that line of uh, like, oh, you know, the people, you know, we need to keep the people safe. That's not what the people want. You know, typical like uh, politician speak. But that that part with the press briefing was really interesting because if you kept moving left and right, you kept finding all these random one-off questions that you could ask. Yeah. And I asked a few of those and the the answers were pretty interesting. I don't remember them all, but I remember them like having – like they felt like they felt important they felt like i was asking things that she didn't want to answer uh so so again so they're they're coming all on top of us and then so i basically i hold um uh north's hand and i kiss her like there's an option to kiss Mm -hmm. At the end, like we're both like embracing each other and we do the thing with the hand where like it turns white and right when they're about to shoot us, you have this option, like kiss or not kiss. I'm like, let's kiss. And as you're kissing, like the military is about to shoot you and you're like, damn, like we can't shit. (laughs) So they kind of like, they're just standing there looking at each other and then they start like, they they don't know what to do. They won't fire. And then the president is watching it on TV. And when she sees that happen, she calls off the attack. (laughs)
1: <laughs> wow that okay. was basically
0: the last moment of uh, the game where there is like then the president comes out and is like you know we definitely have to reevaluate what is ha- what is happening here like there's it. it's like my, my interpretation of it was that up until that point the president in particular and public opinion in general wasn't convinced that the that the deviants were sentient I think that just like Connor was really conflicted because he's like i'm i'm not a deviant and like these are mistakes like these are errors that we have to correct and something here is wrong and i think that that in in this world in the game that seems to be where people are like the the president just doesn't believe it and it isn't until she sees two androids actually embracing and showing some sort of affection towards each other that she believes that these androids are sentient and then she stops it and then says that like, we're, you know, we're going to start an investigation and everything. And then when you finish the last flowchart, I don't remember the exact words, but it was really interesting the way it, it said, um, Marcus, or like the the attack on the androids is stopped and, or the persecution of the androids, I don't think it was persecution, but it was like the hunting of the androids or the, or the persecution of them has stopped for now. Is, is the way that it was worded <laughs> oh jeez, right? because the truth is like uh like yeah like absolutely like good science fiction like what what happens now like okay the president announces that she's going to start an investigation but what happens to them you know do they get put in camps do they get equal rights they like, were
1: already put in camps
0: uh yeah yeah but like now afterwards right it's like well what's going to happen now um it's uh yeah but that's how that's how my game ended how did yours end?
1: My game ended with Kara ends up not being able to cross the the border up at Rose's house. And so she is given information to go to Jericho. So she and Alice and they meet uh, another character, another android named Luther, who is joined the Alice and Kara team. Um, and so they all go to Jericho and meet up with Marcus and the rest of the team and... Um, basically decide like no we have to escape which is at that point is when um Alice being an android is revealed and it it's played up as this big moment where it's like so shocking and it, Kara has been betrayed or tricked or whatever that this wasn't a human little girl you were protecting but also just an android a- and it's it's almost given like you're given a choice to whether or not you're going to continue to act as her mother or not it's very, it's very odd, but anyways it ends you end up like Car decides that, uh, or Kara decides that she's uh, still trying to get to Canada with Alice and when um, that's when the attack on Jericho happens and so you are escaping Jericho trying to make the last bus across the border. Uh, Luther is killed, trying to protect you both because of course he is um, and then uh, she she has a part where you are going through the streets trying to avoid being spotted by the hundreds of cops that are just walking around murdering androids in the street and it's like a <laughs> like a sneaking mission almost where you like have to wait until the flashlights are pointed away from you so you can move behind the next car Yeah. Um, And there's a time element and you interact with some characters where you're given the option to attempt to save them or leave them to die uh, in order to try and get to the bus station faster. Um, But anyways, it's like uh, we finally got to the bus station. We tricked one guard into uh, letting us in um, because they are scanning people to see if they are androids or not. But once you're in the bus station, you get inside and there is... um, an announcement overhead that says that they're sold out of tickets and this is the last bus and there are cops walking around scanning people and so it becomes this thing where it's like you have to find a way to um get tickets and the first time we played through it um this was sort of an ongoing issue with the game where uh the prompts would not always show up the way that you wanted them to like there were definitely things um that the, the interact button just wouldn't show up for me. It's like standing too close or not facing the the right angle or what whatever. But anyways, um, there was a uh, when you go into the detective vision, there was a tag over in the corner and so we walked over there to see what it was and it was oops, actually that tag was denoting the place to avoid because that's where the cops are and they scanned us and we died. And it just ended and it was very unsatisfying that it just ended with Kara and Alice were killed at the border. And so I, I went back and tried to replay that. Ooh, uh, wait, but is
0: that the end of the game for you? No, no. That's oh, just okay, the okay. end
1: for end for Kara uh, okay. or Kara. And, and then um, I, I went back and tried to re- replay that part just to avoid that mistake. And <laughs> you can steal tickets from... Um, a family that is also trying to escape across the border and they make it this big deal where it's like, what a moral issue to like, is it like steal these tickets from these innocent people? I'm like, they're humans. They're not at risk of getting murdered on site. I don't understand why this is a real moral question here. Um, but. Anyways, I ended up getting to the, the Canadian border and I uh, sacrificed myself to save Alice, which was also incredibly unsatisfactory for me. But that's where her story ended. Um, Connor just up and decides to join the Jericho team, even though he was responsible for uh, the police showing up at Jericho. And um, what does he do? He uh, He goes... Oh, oh, he he goes he goes to the the final confrontation with Marcus as well. And and in in my case because I had played very violently, um we just full frontal attacked uh the military and did did a bunch of murdering against the people protecting the concentration camp because uh I very much believe in freeing the people from the concentration camp. Um which i uh both both josh and north died in that um because i messed up quick time events <laughs> oops sorry team um but you get you get to the end and uh, you get to a point where it's like there's a machine gun and um, it's like you have to tell your teammates who who to attack and who to do cover fire. Um, and once you get past the machine gun, uh, the military retreats and it does a big like zoom out shot where it's like uh, you you defeated them. You you won. You are you know, you <laughs> you freed the people in the um in the camp and while that is happening um Connor has broken into the Cyberlife building um and he goes down into like the factory room and uh goes to free all like wake quote unquote wake up all of the androids to join the android revolution and when you're in there a new connor shows up and he is holding a gun to hank's head and you are given the option to either um let him kill hank while you finish waking up the androids or um to save hank uh which i i will tell you i went back and redid it and it does not matter um Hank Hank dies or Hank is like yeah humans are stupid and you should go help the androids like anyways um so you you turn the tide of this war basically where it's like androids are a legitimate threat now and um the president is like uh, sorry about that thing I said yesterday, where uh, he, <laughs> ro- uh, the androids can't possibly be sentient because they clearly are, and we're going to have to readdress some things now, <laughs> which was uh, kind of weird. But um, then the then the final scene is um, Marcus giving a big speech about what what's next, and Connor goes back into that um, that other world place where Amanda is and at that point um, Amanda's like oh you didn't realize it you're just a tool for us and um, basically is implying that you are going to assassinate Marcus as he's giving this speech and then that is when um, Connor broke free for me where huh. he finally became a deviant I guess I, it, it was it was sort of weird but yeah um, yeah that's that's what happened I, I don't know how satisfying that was but i did definitely like that it's like the androids succeeded and they weren't all you know put into concentration camps and then murdered like
0: yeah we were never put into camps and jericho was never attacked in my playthrough yeah
1: yeah yeah, jericho got blown up and we went to a, a a new hideout place that was actually never established so that was pretty confusing um but, uh, yeah, yeah, there was it was a lot. You you missed out a lot. It, it's a very different story without two of the three characters.
0: <laughs> well, again, like, I don't feel like I missed out necessarily. I think I definitely no, no, experienced it's just one version of the story.
1: If, if yeah. anything, there might be something to be said about that in that a, a lot of my complaints about this game is if it felt like it wasn't willing to really commit to actually getting deep in any of these conversations or, or ideas that it brought up. It would just sort of like point at them and then like, okay, let's move along, let's move along. If if there hadn't been as many characters, if it had been, you know, a three or four hour experience instead of like a 15 hour experience, perhaps it would have been a lot better and a lot more focused and and impactful in taking an actual ideological stance would have been nice. But uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely like that we've been able to have this conversation where where your experience was so distinct from mine.
0: Something that I've been thinking about recently, um, it's a concept within uh, learning science uh, and, and like educational technology and things like that. It's something called a learning pathway. And it's something I've been thinking a lot about. It's like um, in terms of treatment and education and, and all these things, it's like, or like recent talks about suicide, right? Where it's like, okay, um, you gave a person a number, but is that person ready to to call a number? You know, and even if they do, and they get some information, do they have the money or the resources? Are they like emotionally or physically able to actually go and do something else? Right. So there are like all these different points for, mm-hmm. that, that get you from one place to another, and in many ways they're branching paths um, visually. Like uh, when you when you talk about like learning pathways, in particular in the literature, it actually looks like the flowcharts in um, in Detroit. But uh, what, what I'm thinking about is uh, some of the the comments that you and I have made regarding uh, how this game deals with certain issues and how it's addressed them and how deep it went into them or, or didn't. I feel like depending on how much you know and what your experience is and how much you think about these things, like you would be on a different point on those on those paths, right? And and I see I see this as I see a game like this, which is. Primarily for entertainment right i, I haven 't heard anybody at Quantic Dream, and I doubt I ever will hear them say like "Oh yeah, like we, we were really trying to 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 make people wake up and think about you know <laughs> about these things right like i 'm absolutely certain that that 's not the point, which no, is why no. I find it funny to hear you like say the comments you have and have um, like, and i 've read articles where people like go." into way more detail um, into what you're saying about like how it didn't go far enough or how it's just like trivializing these very important issues.
1: I don't know that it's it's trivializing so much as it is it is relying on the players to be familiar enough that it creates like a reference point and emotional impact without actually committing to the context of what that stuff means, right? Like calling it Detroit, brings up a lot of history of Detroit and and you know, labor and racism and violence and nonviolence and all of this stuff. But instead of, you know, it's like, oh, we don't wanna actually bring in the history of Detroit to this game. We're going to completely ignore that that context and just use it as a, a shorthand basically to get you to feel something. And and sometimes that's really frustrating. So I mean, sometimes it's unavoidable, right? The, this game can't be you know six hundred years long, to to really get into all the intricacies and different philosophies that are are you know vaguely referenced. But it it still like you know like I said earlier on, it's like I I had fun, but I'm I'm always left feeling a little bit like there's been missed opportunities.
0: And I think you're you're helping me make my point, at least the point that I'm trying to make, which is that. For you, it was like it was it was not enough like like I feel like you're maybe further down, like maybe you know that history right like that reference point that you're talking about it's very different for different people. some people mm-hmm. like when you see that bus at the beginning and the androids are in the back of the bus, like how many people yeah. don't know anything beyond that right like how many people don't know? Any famous people who were in the back of the bus or did something about that <laughs> yeah. or know the time period, right? Or it's like, oh yeah, that's like, a, that's an Outcast song, right? Like, well, I, I kind of remember that, you know, like your point of reference is, is different for different people. Mm-hmm. So I think that something like this would be like if I were looking at it in, um, in terms of tools or reference material or conversation starters, even I wouldn't put this like with a book on you know on black history i would put it like pretty early on you know on like something that would be an introduction to a lot of these topics that probably a lot of people wouldn't know and kind of like i see that there's a positive value if you put it there where there's more um there's more criticism to be made if you if you put it as something higher up i think that the discussions that happen about that right like what role is this supposed to play if it's supposed to play any is interesting
1: I, I I have complicated feelings about it, but I by God I did play the whole thing, <laughs> and I will be going. No, back. What? No, <laughs> no,
0: no, let's be clear. You did not play the whole thing.
1: Well, I okay. I, I how much? How many flowcharts were
0: empty? <laughs> how much of the flowcharts was empty? A lot, I'm sure. Not as empty yeah. as mine was, but no, no. there's so <laughs> many things that that both of us didn't see.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's definitely. Th- Having gone back and replayed a couple of bits, um, I suspect that it is not as branching as uh, perhaps you you are being led to believe. Because um, there are definitely situations where I was like, "I'm going to choose the totally opposite thing and see how much that changes it," and it didn't. It didn't change it at all. It was the exact same outcome at the end of the the chapter. But um, that that's not true on all of them, obviously. It yeah, can't be. It, it cannot can't be. be. Yeah, no, I just <laughs> as someone in, who's in, made
0: much simpler Twine games, I can tell you, you cannot do that. <laughs> you yeah. try to loop as much as possible.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's only so yeah. many resources.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. I
1: just, I guess in my in my heart, I really like this kind of game, this sort of interactive fiction, and you know, it's, it's, uh, some exciting, tense, quick time event bit, bits peppered in for you know good pacing and everything but I wish that other people besides David Cage were making them <laughs> it's pretty much where I stand here yeah,
0: and it, it's made me think a lot about like I, I love these ideas of like I, I think you're taking a very historical uh context to it and yeah
1: I can't I can't I mean I can't separate it from my experience with indigo prophecy and heavy rain and beyond two souls and uh you know my own understanding of social justice and uh you know black history and slavery and labor movements and stuff like that is I, I obviously i can't unlearn things that they're all up in my head um, yeah
0: and for me it, th- this game makes me think about the future it makes you think about when we're going to be facing these things again and if this were to happen what would happen and a lot of the little things right like the little moments where these devices basically right are are put into positions where again like there's a lot of um futurism in it right that i Mm -hmm. that i love that is like i feel is a completely separate conversation eventually you could loop back and look at you know um how history right how we can learn from history when we go back into the future but there's so much uh, of that like that's where my mind is at like looking at it there's so many things that I want to talk about in the futurist aspect aspect of it that I think it does really really well oh I love the magazines there's like <laughs> there's <stuff>. you have <laughs> no idea how much I love the magazines
1: how many times I was like like anxiously like I have to find the thing to do the thing in this room and I'm like there it is there's the th-. and then I pick up a magazine I'm like god damn it Another other
0: magazine uh,
1: but I did I did really enjoy reading them and I liked yeah. that they they served as a as another point of like outside perspective whereas like a, as you made choices in the game the um the public opinion that was expressed in you know the like two paragraphs that they'd show of the magazines would change a little bit which was very cool
0: and they fleshed out the world a lot too which I really yes I yes really liked. well this was a pretty lengthy uh conversation
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry.
0: (laughs) No, 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 no. It's good. I wanted to touch on on all those points. It was a game that I definitely wanted to talk about. And again, like uh, the curiosity of of how different it was um, for you. And again, like I I would eventually like to go back and play it and go 100% murderous and go completely Actually
1: save Kara. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Maybe save Kara. Yeah, she yeah. Has, no, no. I'll she absolutely. has,
1: um, when she is at Rose's house, uh, Rose, like, leaves the room and Rose's son is, like, has already expressed that he's like anti-robot and he's like, my mom is putting us at risk to save you and you're just a stupid machine. And then the police show up and you have to hide Alice and uh, hide the evidence. And that was like one of the best scenes for me. I was like legit, like anxious about trying to find everything and, Um, act cool in front of the cop and everything like I want I want you to play that scene because I thought that that was um, up there with the uh, the tower heist and the the freedom march and everything where I was just like I kept thinking about that scene and how it made me feel
0: yeah there's a lot that I that I I I I want to re-experience and do differently and there there are parts in the game towards the end where there's, like, a yellow um, shape on the flowchart, which means mm-hmm. that your characters are, like, crossing paths or, like, a decision that one character made affects another character. And I I only had one of those. And it was from something, like, right before Connor died, he did something that affected something for Marcus later. But that was it. <laughs> but I could see in the flowchart that, like, there are tons of those moments later on, and I
1: mm-hmm. never got them.
0: Yeah, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. Eventually, I'll play it again.
1: We'll have yeah. to do a part two to this extremely long podcast when you do.
0: Uh, maybe, I don't know, I'll <laughs> buy it when it's like super cheap when it's on PS Plus maybe, I'll get it again. Yeah, I don't know. Who replays games anymore? I don't know. <laughs>
1: Nobody's got time for that. <laughs> nobody got time for
0: that. Okay, well, I would love to hear um, what your experience was if it was different from from Lauren's or, or mine. It must be, like the odds are pretty high that it was a little different um, from ours. And what do you think about the things that we're, we're talking about and what the, the game is? trying or not trying to say. I'm, I'm curious uh, what you think. Thank you for listening. If you want more episodes of Headshots, you can visit headshotspodcast.com. We're on Twitter at HeadshotsCast. I am at Josue Cardona. Lauren is at Chicken Dinosaur. Uh, please discuss this episode and all uh, other episodes of Headshots at the GT Forum at forum.geektherapy.com.
1: Yay! The Forum! Hooray! Woo,
0: the forum. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back in two weeks. Bye. You've just listened to Headshots on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. Discuss this and all the episodes on the network by visiting the Geek Therapy Forum at forum.geektherapy.com. And for extra content, including our monthly book club and other perks, consider becoming a member of Geek Therapy on Patreon for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash geektherapy.